Well, this is the big week, isn't it? We're almost there, right? We've been planning. We're almost at Christmas. Uh, next Sunday is Christmas Day. Christmas Sunday this year is Christmas Day. And just in case you missed it before, yes, we are going to have a service here on Christmas morning. We're almost right at the celebration of the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus. And it's not just that He's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. It's a moment in history when God invades our world and becomes a man and through the person of Jesus who is the Christ, who is the Messiah, who is our Savior. In the beginning of the story where Jesus starts that, that walk to the cross, it, it, when, when He gets to the cross, that's where He deals with our sin, your sin and my sin. It is an absolutely monumental time in history. So, you've been doing this a couple weeks already. You know where to go right now, right? This is our December starting place. We're jumping into Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us, and the government will rest on His shoulders, and He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Yeah, some of you know that. This episode, we're looking at Jesus as the everlasting Father, and this is a way more personal side than simply a title. We've seen Jesus as the wonderful counselor, a big, life-altering, important role. And last episode, we were in awe of our mighty God. But now we're looking at our everlasting Father. And the choice of that term, Father, makes everything so much more personal. So to try and get a little bit of context here, to try and help you, me, get on the same page, I just want to know how many of you can relate to this concept. How many of you have, at one time or another, have had at least one father? Anyone? Yeah, it, it seems like most of us are in that kind of a situation. We know something about this term. We've heard the term Father, we know what it is, and what you also know is that it's kind of a gateway word. It, it, it opens a gateway to a whole ton of pictures and images and memories, and all these things start to bubble up to the surface, thoughts and feelings, and perhaps, perhaps your Father is still with you. Perhaps you can celebrate Christmas with Him, or perhaps your Father has passed away already. That's my story. I still miss my father. Perhaps those memories, those images, those feelings, whatever, perhaps they're fantastic and you think back and you go, it's all good. As someone who is a dad, and I'm sure I can get backed up on this by uh, some of the other dads that are around here. So just as we're starting, uh, Church Online, you can help me with this part as well. But if you are here at Church on Main Street and you are a dad, at the count of three, I'd like you to tell me how many you're dad of. Okay, so if you are a granddad, I'm going to let you count those two. So I'm going to give you a second to do the math. How many are you dad or dad and granddad of? All right? All at once. One, two, three. Three! Yeah, I was not as clear as I was hoping there. That's unfortunate. 
But you, you folks that just were brave enough to say that out loud, you have kids, and you know, and, and, and I want you to stand with me because I know it's not always easy being dad. Sounds like it's a self-explanatory kind of thing. You just go out and you do it. But I will assure you, and I think that you're all in the same boat with me, I received no formal instruction. I got no manual. I got an awful lot of expectation. Some from me, some from people around me, some from my family, some from other people around, and they thought, well, you know what a dad should do? And there was all that that was added on. No certification. And we know as dads, we can be honest to each other, that we are far from perfect. Sometimes we're told quite frequently. We make our share of mistakes. And truth be told, some of us have made even more than our share of the mistakes. And the reality is that not all of us have pure, happy kinds of memories about our dads. Not all of us want to spend a bunch of time thinking about our fathers. The mention of father brings up a lot. I can tell you, as I've faced it and tried to deal with the understanding of what it means to be father, something I was never certified or trained in, but I got this title that arrived out of nowhere I watched around me, and I listened to what I heard. And uh, even just recently, I, I was watching a, a, a series on, on Netflix and had nothing to do with relationships. It was about fixing up cars. And every character, it seemed, said, I'm doing this because I hope my dad, I wish my dad would be proud of me. And they all, boys and girls, they all had an unsureness when they said that. I hope, I wish, I think that. If I do this, if I can win this race, if I can do this, then my dad will be proud of me. And I was struck by how deep this is. Nobody asked them the question about how do you think your dad will feel. But as they explained why they were passionate, as they explained why they were getting in on this, as they explained why I'm doing all this, the reason that came down to so many times was, hope my dad will be proud of me. And as I was growing up and learning how to become a father, I kept hearing those things and I felt the weight of what that means. That it always seemed that if I make that one mistake, then my kid will tell their therapist later in life, my dad never did. Do you know what my dad said that one time? Because that's the way the story was told and I, and I put that weight on myself and I can't imagine the potential for damage that I have within my hands. So what we have here is, uh, either way, it's a, it's a very specific set of those clearly defined images when, when we have the term father. Things come up. So when I say, or when the prophet Isaiah says, 
that Jesus will be called everlasting Father, we instantly get a set of our, our own thoughts, our feelings, our impressions, our amusing. They, they roll in on us, and, and, and then we reflect them. We project them up onto Jesus. So that is the way that we start to see Him or imagine that He will be. We brand the image of our earthly Father onto our everlasting Father. We look at Jesus, our everlasting Father, through the lens of our earthly Father. How can we not? It's all that we know. We have our moments that we believe that Jesus is, he's got to be just like my dad. So think about this way. Think about this horror story. If I'm a dad and I am a dad and Merlin, Finley, and Griffin are going to grow up and at some point they're going to think in some way that Jesus is somehow like me. Well, what happens when I blow it? What happens when I mess up? They see it. And they project that onto Jesus, or they could project that onto Jesus. And I go, that's a, such a scary thought. Jesus is just like that. And, and, and if that happens, then we're not seeing God clearly. It's foggy. And what we see, we see through a mist. And it might not really look like Jesus at all. But it's the way that it feels to us so frequently. If that's what's happening, if that's what's going on for you, then you might see a father who is never satisfied. The words, I love you, or I'm proud of you, maybe they were elusive terms to you. Like carrots on the stick, you could just never quite get to them. You kept running towards them, but you never got to them. Maybe your dad was, or maybe your dad is the strong, silent type, right? Maybe they're not comfortable with that kind of language. So those words were just never heard. You kept trying, kept stretching, got to be perfect, got to please daddy. So you so want his acceptance and his love and his pride that you push and you push and maybe that's other people around you get pushed as well, but you push for that affirmation, but it just never arrives. Let me tell you a little bit about my dad. He's a good man. He was a good man. He's a quiet man. He's a shy man. He loved me, and of that there is no doubt. I never questioned that. But there are many things that just weren't talked about much in my house. Words and actions of affection, words and actions of affirmation, they just were not all that frequent. That's just the way we were. That's part of life training. It's part of what I learned. And so sometimes it's hard for me to offer those things. It's not hard to see how conversations take turns to only discuss things that dad likes or that dad approves of. You don't tell dad things he doesn't want to hear because that just further disrupts the relationship. Do you have special life moments that you got to share with your dad? You had those kind of things. I can tell you, my dad, yeah, he, uh, he was able to come all the way to my Bible school graduation, all the way out in Regina, Saskatchewan. So glad that he got to see Regina. He was at my wedding in Ottawa. He came to my first two pastoral installation services in Belleville and then in Windsor. We got to watch him as he held his first grandchild. He has held all three 
of my sons as babies. He was there for my ordination ceremony in Stouffville, but he never got to see this building. Never even heard about it. I think he would have liked it. I think he would have liked the idea. And I kind of wish that he could see what we together have made. Do you ever dream of that moment when you do something big and important and as, and as you walk off the platform or whatever it is, you see your dad and he's leading the whole family over to you and you're kind of pushing through the, the crowd and as he gets to you, his step kind of quickens a little bit and he grabs you and he lifts you and he hugs you and, and he tells you so that all the world can hear how proud he is of you. You ever had that moment? Or did your moment end with your dad approaching through the crowd, now face to face, and he says to you, well, it's getting late, and it's a long drive. I guess we better get going. You're crushed. Sadly, some of you have had that moment. You performed hard, but the approval, the approval just never came. Maybe, maybe it's so bad that you got yourself into a, dabbling a little bit in rebellion just to get some of Dad's attention. And now we take those same feelings, those deep, private feelings that perspective, and we bring it all into our relationship with Jesus, and we don't really believe that God is truly satisfied with us. So we try to do what we can to get Him to love us, to convince us to love us. And if that's the case, then we might also see a Father who is always angry. Maybe you tried your best to avoid your father because you just don't want to set him off again. He'll go off. Words spoken in anger hurt, yeah, but it's worse when you kind of always believe that he's always mad and he's just about to judge you. He's just about to condemn you. That's what he does. Maybe you get yelled at. Maybe you have even received some physical abuse. Breaking your heart. I heard a story, horrible story, about a father who sexually molested his daughter. And whenever he was molesting her, he would quote to her, they would say together, Ephesians 6, chapter 1. Ephesians 6, chapter 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That is not what that text means at all. All. The Bible is never, never, ever, never, ever, ever, ever meant to be a club to force someone to do what you want. And I am so, so sorry if that or something like that happened to you. But if that's what you know about your Father, then your view of Jesus is going to be a bad taste in your mouth. And no one can blame you for that. And I'm sorry again that those things happened to you. They are wrong. They should not have happened. 
And when you look at the everlasting Father through the lens of your earthly father, it can really, really mess things up. They have the same name, right? Father. I get that. I understand that. And I do not condemn you for that. Your experience might also include a father who is seldom there. Maybe you're growing up or living in a, in a, in a divorced home. The dad that was once there is no longer there or seldom there. And you're learning to live without, but you're not particularly liking it. But maybe it was worse than that. Maybe dad was tragically ripped out of your family's life and you're forced to grow up without dad being there at all. Maybe, maybe dad is just not around because he's, he's working so much. He's got so much that he's got to do. And he, so he wasn't there for your first goal. He's not there for when you were scared because he told you you shouldn't be scared. There's nothing to be scared of. He's not there when, when you needed his help. You're not, he's not there when, when, when you need advice. Just bounce it off someone. Not there when you could use some extra support. How, how do I do this? Maybe, maybe these stories are yours. Right? Maybe, maybe they're not. Maybe none of this has to do with you. But whatever your view of your dad is, you've got to try and lay it down so that we can give Jesus a chance to reveal to us who He really is. So let's try and see our everlasting Father the way that He is and not through tainted or dirty glasses. So I want to open some Scripture and let you look at Him through the lens of Scripture. Because if we can do that, then maybe you're going to see the everlasting Father like you've never, ever seen Him before. And when we look at Him this way, we're going to see that Jesus, our everlasting Father, is compassionate. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. One of the best moments in my life, and one of the best moments that has shown up, uh, maybe it's shown up in your lives, I know it's shown up in some other people's lives, is that moment when we realize that we can do nothing, absolutely, entirely, nothing. We can do nothing to earn God's love. No performing for dad. No more singing at the piano in front of Aunt Edna at that family gathering wearing some embarrassing outfit that they said you got to do. No more performance that will make you somehow more accepted by God than you are right now. He will take you exactly as you are, regardless of where you have been and regardless of what you have done. You no longer need to worry about working to please God, because you can't. Maybe some of you go to church. Maybe you're here at church right now or church online right now. Maybe you uh, read your Bible, you pray, whatever spiritual thing it is that you do. Maybe you do it not because you love Jesus, not because you want to get to know Him more, not because you want to spend time with Him. Maybe you do those things because you are trying to show Him that you're willing to do the work. I'm working, God. I'm trying. This is what you like, right? You like it when I do this. You like me now? Is this enough? But God loves you and accepts you exactly as you are. He is calling to you already and offering to help. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Stop there for a moment. This is a perfect season to get a little bit more of a full definition of what it means to be weary and burdened. You've got a lot of things that are on your plate. When you imagine December and September, you knew things were coming, but you weren't in them. And the calendar kept filling up. There kept being other things. And then, oh, man, then there's sickness in that as well. So many things. But now, honestly, as you approach this day that we all long for, what you're, what you're thinking is, I, I might have time for a nap. I'm, I'm weary in body and I'm weary in mind and I'm weary emotionally. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, whether you're weary because you've been working so hard to do good and to be kind and to be compassionate and to be generous. Oh, generosity is such an important thing right now. You've worked at that so long and you're giving and they asked and so you gave and they asked again and so you gave again and now the weariness is starting to sink in deep into you. Or Whether the weariness just comes from, I had to work. It's a busy season. We've got to make the bucks now because this is the month. This is the quarter that we make enough to survive for the year. Got to work hard. And it's the season when you feel the burdens. You, you get to take stock again. How did this year go? I had bigger plans. I had better plans. I didn't hit them all. Again, another year. I didn't hit everything I was trying to hit. I didn't help everything I was trying to help. I didn't fix everything I wanted to fix. It's still there, and now some of these things are worse. They're heavier. There's burdens. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest can be yours. Peace. Not the lack of war like we heard already from Peter and Colleen. Jesus is our Prince of Peace, and He will, and we will together examine what that looks like next episode. Our everlasting Father is caring. Here's God speaking up again. Okay, so listen to this, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, 11. Many of you know this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This is our God speaking. It reveals His mindset. It reveals His character. It reveals the way that He makes plans. The way that He interacts with people. In a little context here, this section written by the prophet Jeremiah, it's written specifically to God's people. God's people who were just about to experience some hard challenges. Hard challenges like they were getting sent into punishment. Judgment. That's what was happening for them. It wasn't like at the end of college and God had written them a card. Don't worry, guys. 
You've done a good job studying. Now we're going to go out and hit the real world. And don't worry, I got things taken care of for you. No, this context is right before he's sending them off into exile. And he tells them, you're going into exile. It's going to be 70 years. I'm telling you this in advance. I have a plan. You kind of got yourself messed up. We got to straighten you back out. So here it is. You're going into exile. You're going there for seven years. You are not just about to head off and win the lottery. You will face hardship. That's where you're about to go. But before that time begins, before you go into that, God was already promising that the relationship wasn't over. That He was sticking around. And why He was going to stick around. I'm in it for the long haul. Because, because even during this time of challenge, this time of exile, I have a goal for you and I have more promises to keep. And I promise that I will keep my promises. I have a plan for you. I will prosper you. I will care for you. And that goal and um, the, the care and the prosper go together important. Because when we hear the words prosper, we, we hear get rich, right? That's what we mean. Prosper must mean get rich. That's our version. That's our definition. But the care is so important in there. <coughs> I will care for your whole life and there will be what you require. I will prosper you. I will care for you. And you need to know that in doing this, my goal is not to harm you. I'm actually planning to prosper you. I've got a big vision, so go eyes up. Look forward. Trust me. I'm not abandoning you. I will provide for you hope and a future. This is not the end. You will say it's the end. You will think it's the end. I'm promising you it's not the end. And this was God's promise, and it was fulfilled. He was shown to be faithful. He was shown to be trustworthy. Jesus is compassionate and He loves you. He has a plan for you and that plan is to prosper and care for you and not to harm you. Nothing about getting rich. His desire, His will is to give you hope and a future. But so often that hope and a future comes after. It comes through. We bear up. We overcome and we come through because our God is always by our side. He never abandons us. He never leaves us. He never promises that we won't go through hard times. In fact, He promises us that we will go through hard times, but that I, that He will always be there with us so that it is possible that He empowers us. He strengthens us. He arranges circumstances to allow us to overcome, not to avoid to bear up under, to endure suffering, not to avoid it and to come through, to see the other side. That is the promise that He made to Israel right before they go into exile. You will overcome, you will bear up under, and you will come through. That is the promise. That is this hope in the future. Don't worry. Even when it looks dark, don't worry. I'm not leaving. I'm still here. I got your back. I've got your front. I've got your side. I've got your future. I've got your past. I've got what's above you and I've got what's below you. I am not ever leaving. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what the people around you say. 
It doesn't matter. I will be faithful. You will find me faithful. Come on, let's just go. As we go, you will find me faithful. That's where we're going. And it's so important to be able to hear this when we think of what we've experienced maybe with our fathers, that He is not angry at you. He did not come. The celebration of Christmas, the baby in a manger isn't here so that God could come and get a closer look at you so that He can, could condemn you face to face. That wasn't the plan. That was never what was in the, in the cards. That's not what He had in motion. He came not so that He could see you and condemn you. He came so that He could see you and save you. To know what it's like for you to do what you do, to be like you have to be, to live where you have to live. He came here so that He could be amongst us, to be amongst it, so that the understanding is there. Not I'll always be with you from distance and I'm just a, a vague spirit somewhere, but in human form on earth, desperately in need of care unable to care for himself, subjects himself to that so that he understands, so that we get it, so that he's we're here with us. He did not come to condemn us. He came here to save us, to set us free, to save us, but to save you. Not just everybody, but you. And if all you can remember is that he loves you, and He cares for you, and He's going to stick by you no matter what. If that's all you get, if that's all you can carry, if that's all that you can hold, then you're halfway home. But He will not force you to take on anything that He's offering. It's always your choice. Our everlasting Father is always there, no matter what you do. He will not leave. Even if you never come to church again, God won't reject you. I mean, here, we'll miss you. Into one will not feel the same. It will not be the same without you. But God will not walk out on you. So what if, what if you decide, I'm never going to read my Bible again? Close it up. Never going to pray. Guess what? Your actions or your inactions cannot, will not, do not change the will of God. You are just not that powerful. And you are loved far too much. Here is the promise. Treasure this one deeply. It comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It's a long time. And hear it from the Gospel of Matthew. This is words that uh, when, when you get pastored up, when you get pastor training, this is a passage they come back to all the time. It's like a hit on your head kind of passage you got to know this one. you got to know Acts 1.8. you got to know that these things exist in like all the Gospels. They're there all the time. This one is so important because it tells like a whole big story. As if these are the last words. As if this is the last thing that Jesus said. i got no more time. I talked all this time. I need you to remember one thing. This is what you got to know. Put this one in your head. This is what we've all about. Everything that we've worked for came to this point. Take this and then go from there. All right, so that's where we are. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and he, and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 19. Therefore, because of that, here's my command. Go, 
make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. Know this one. Hold on to this one. Depend on this. Here's my promise. I'm looking you straight in the eye. I am with you always. Even to the very end of the age. Life may have dealt you blows. Life might be dealing you blows right now. And sadly, I can tell you that life is going to continue to deal you blows. But your everlasting Father says, be sure of this. Know this. I promise you this. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I know you. I know what you struggle. I know where you fall. I know that you did it again. I know that you tried and it didn't work out. I know that they betrayed you and you're hurt. I know that you've been hurt. I know all your frailties. I know all your weaknesses. I know how you stumble. I know how you excel. I know I gave you those gifts. When I gave you those gifts, I imagined you. And I imagined the difference that you would make in the relationships around you. I imagined how you would build my church by doing what you do well. You don't do well what everybody else does well. You do well what I have given you to do well. I gifted you in this way so that you would do well because we need you. You're not all the same. You're all incredibly different. I know you and I love you. I have equipped you and I have empowered you and I am waiting. I am longing for the chance that I will be welcomed in to let you do all that you have been called to do when you are ready. When you take the step, when you step out in faith, when you reach, when you trust, when you decide, I'm, I'm tired of where I've been, I need to place all of my weight on Jesus. And then He can start opening those doors for you, doors that you never imagined, doors that you didn't think you'd ever care about. Those are the things that are waiting to happen as you step forward, as you move out in trust, as you look at your Father and you try to forget those things that you know about your Father and you, you try to imagine the perfect Father the one that your dad got named after but didn't live up to it. No matter how good your dad was, he couldn't live up to the original, to the OG God, the dad, the father. And Jesus, when he was honored, he, take, he took his disciples and they're so used to formal. This is the way we address God in reverence and holiness and cover our heads, bow on our knees. He is sovereign. He is sacred. And if we come into his presence and we're unworthy, we'll just die. And he took that and he said, all that's true, but here's how I want you to pray. Daddy, I want you to have that intimacy. I want you to understand that that's what the relationship is supposed to look like. All of those things about God's character are true. And also, you are to know Him as intimate, loving, caring Father, Abba, Daddy, Papa. True at the same time. That's who is calling to you. That's who is offering you. That's who has gifted you. That's who is trying to unleash you. Will you let that happen?
Will you trust enough to say, that doesn't seem safe. I don't know how I'll survive if I do those things. How could I be generous in my time, treasure, and talent? I'll run out. Certainly I don't have enough. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am yours and you, you are mine. That's what he says to us. A gift of himself to us. Not just as Savior of the world, but Savior of Graham. Savior of you. Personal. Interactive. Up close. Father, as we finish preparing for this holy day coming up, this Christmas day, this Mass for Christ, the celebration of the gift of Messiah. We've been counting down through the, the time of darkness and understanding our need. We need a Savior. And as we're almost there, set us free to receive the gift, the gifts that you are offering to us and to fully unwrap what we have been offered, to claim it for our own and then to put it into action. We long to see what you can do in us and through us in this next year as we continue to trust you, to place all of our weight on you, and to go forward in eager, earnest pursuit of you, Jesus. Draw us into that relationship of trust and care. 